Well, good morning, and we are so glad that you decided to spend a piece of your 4th of July weekend here with us. Uh, I know we have a great number of our church who are out of town and traveling this weekend, and uh, you need no further than to look around this morning to see that, but that's okay. We may be small in number this morning, but we're going to be great in our faith this morning. Uh, with that in mind, we want to ask you to stick around for just a few minutes today after services. Uh, one of our elders, Ken DeBose, has a quick message for you. So after the closing today, uh, when we normally flood out the door to go have lunch, uh, we're going to ask you to stick around for just a few minutes so that we can go ahead and uh, share some information with all of you. Uh, with that in mind, I'm going to try and keep things short today so we can still get you out of here on time for those lunch reservations. Um, Today we're going to continue kind of this thought that we've been having about the miracles of Jesus. Now last week, uh, Brother Aaron Walling brought a fantastic message about how we sometimes lose our sight. And he wrapped that in with how Jesus healed the blind man. And I don't know if he did that on purpose because he knew we'd been kind of unpacking miracles or if that was a God thing. But either way, Aaron, thank you so much for your wonderful message last week. We greatly appreciated that. Today we're going to change gears just a little bit, but we're going to continue in this same video vein of the miracles of Jesus. And I think that that last song that we sang, How Great Is Our God, is such a powerful message for each and every one of us, because our God is truly great. The one true and living God can and still does miracles. And we're going to look at one of those miracles today, but I want to think just for a minute about why Jesus performed miracles during his ministry here on earth. And it was a couple of reasons. One, it was to prove the deity of Christ. And two, it was to cause people to believe in him and to cause people to want to follow him. And we see another story of that today as we're going to take a look at the story of Jesus and Peter walking on water. Now, I know some of you are thinking, Aaron, this is a, this is a message that we learned way back in children's church. We already know this story. And that's great. I hope that that's exactly what you're saying. But for those of you who may not know, you're going to learn some information today about this amazing miracle. And even for those of you who may know this story very well, we're going to talk about five powerful lessons that you can take from this miracle. And not only five powerful lessons, but how can we then apply this to our daily lives, even today, some 2,000 years later? Because we know that this story was included for a reason. We know this, this story was included in the New Testament canon so that we continue to read this story and to continue to learn from this story. So in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. But I want to give you just a little bit of context before we get there. And when we pick up in Matthew chapter 14, we pick up this really cool story of Peter walking on water. we got to understand kind of where we're at in the timeline, what's been going on. And see, when we look at context, we look at what happened before and what happened after and kind of try to understand and kind of try to put ourselves in the shoes of this story and to see what was going on at this time. Now, Jesus had just performed an amazing miracle, and that was the feeding of the 5,000. And if you were here a couple weeks back when we unpacked that story, that was just 5,000 men. When you include the women, and the children, this could have been up to 15, 20,000 people that Jesus had just fed. And if you paid attention during that story, when we talked about context there, that day he had already been in the city healing and teaching and preaching. Now I say all that to say that, that at this point Jesus had probably kind of had a long day. And that's going to lead us into our story here in just a moment. But the other cool thing about this story is this is three miracles of Jesus wrapped into one. We often think of Matthew chapter 14 as just one story, as just one miracle. But as you're going to see in just a moment, Jesus performs three separate miracles throughout this story. 
Another cool thing is this is also the first recorded time of not only the disciples recognizing Jesus for who he was, but they stopped on the spot and worshiped him. And we're going to unpack that just a little bit more as we go. So as I promised, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14 today as we're going to unpack this miracle. We're going to start in verse 22. So if you would, open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 14. And again, we are going to start in verse 22 as we start to to read and to understand this story. And I'll point out a few things for you here along the way. And then we'll get to these five powerful lessons. So if you would, read with me. Because I want you to not only hear these words, but I want you to just be engrossed in these words and to see these words and to really kind of put yourself into this story. It says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now this wasn't all that uncommon for Jesus to kind of split off from the disciples for a few minutes. And he probably knew that there was going to be a mob of people at the end that are going to want to try and get to the disciples. Because remember, they had just fed fifteen to 20,000 people using a couple loaves and a couple of fishes. As we continue with verse 23, it says, After he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Now, I can relate to this verse, and I think most of you can probably relate to this verse as well. And if you have children, I promise you, you relate to this verse. Because remember, the the context, right? Jesus had had a very long day, right? He'd been teaching, he'd been preaching, he'd been healing. He did this amazing miracle of feeding all of these people, and he was ready for a little downtime. He was ready for a little alone time. So he sends the disciples off, and Jesus goes off to be by himself and pray. Now, parents, can we all relate to this? You've had a long, stressful day at work, and what do you want to do? You just want just a little bit of me time, just a little bit of alone time. So that's exactly where Jesus is at, right? Jesus says, you know what? You guys go on ahead without me, and I'm going to go over here and take some time. Now, I love the fact that not only did Jesus take a little time to himself, but he also spent time in prayer. And that's a powerful reminder for us that Jesus had just accomplished something truly amazing in front of all of these people, and yet he still went to go pray, to go talk to God, to go talk to the Father, to thank the Father for what had just happened, to spend time in prayer, to just spend some downtime. And I think that's a great reminder for each and every one of us that when we've had that long, stressful day, where do we turn to unwind? Do we turn to the television? Do we turn to some of our bad habits? Or do we turn to God? As we continue in the story, it says, And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffered by the waves, because the wind was against it. Now, we know that this is a situation where a storm is brewing. A storm is coming up on the lake. Now, I want to remind you that these disciples that were following Jesus were fishermen. Chances are they probably grew up in a boat. They probably grew up on the ocean. So that in and of itself was probably not a terrible, terrible thing to them. It was probably kind of par for the course. They kind of knew what to expect here. They knew what was going on. They had grown up on boats, and they were used to doing this for their vocation. But it's important that we understand the context, that this storm is brewing, because we're going to touch on that just a little bit later on. It says... Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. So here's miracle number one, right? And this part kind of gets overlooked sometimes when we think about this story because we think about kind of Peter, right? Peter's the main character. Peter's the main focus of the story. But Jesus started it all off. Jesus kind of kicks the party off and walks on water himself. 
Now, as we read this story, we, we tend to kind of gloss over this, right? Because we're all familiar with this story. But let's think about this just for a minute. This had never happened before. People didn't just, and still to this day, don't just walk on water. And now when I grew up in the Midwest, we used to do, uh, we used to water ski. That's what we did during the summer because there wasn't a whole lot going on in my hometown. But thankfully, my aunt and uncle had a ski boat, so we'd go skiing quite a bit. And the closest I've ever come to walking on water is either on skis or getting thrown off of an inner tube at speed and kind of skipping across the water. For those of you who have done it, you know what I'm talking about. There's no more violent crashes on the water than getting thrown off of an inner tube at speed because you literally skip across the water. But I I can't walk on water. I would venture to say none of you can walk on water. And this had never been done before. This had never been seen before. But Jesus just casually walks across the water to the boat. It says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Again, this isn't something that is just done. And I venture to say, if you and I were out on a boat, and all of a sudden somebody comes walking towards us, right, through the fog and the waves and the wind and the rain, you and I would probably be terrified as well. Also, just a little bit of a background for you, that it was very common in fishing circles, especially during this time, that if somebody were to be lost at sea, if somebody were to drown, it was thought that they would come back to haunt that body of water. So it would actually be fairly normal for the disciples to say, oh, uh, uh-oh, this is not good, this is a ghost walking across the water. And they were terrified. Now put yourself in those shoes. There's a storm brewing. It's windy. It's raining. There's waves. And all of a sudden you see somebody comes walking towards you on the water. It says, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Again, Jesus is reminding them, hey guys, Remember me? Do you know who I am? Did you see what I just did earlier today? He's reminding them of who he is, and he's telling them to take courage. I love that song that Skeeter sang earlier, that, that, and I'm not going to sing it for you because it would be like nails on a chalkboard. But it's be strong and courageous and do not be afraid. How many times do we see that in the Bible? Over and over and over again, we're reminded to be courageous. We're reminded to not have fear because we have Jesus. When we have Jesus, we don't have to be afraid. And he's reminding them of that. Over and over throughout scripture, when we see messengers or angels being sent to someone, immediately their reaction is fear. And they always say, what's the first thing they always say? Don't be afraid. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing for the disciples on the boat. And that's exactly what he does for you and I today is he's there to remind us that we don't have to fear because we have Jesus. See, where Jesus is present, fear is unwarranted. Now, we all have those situations in our lives, right, where we feel anxious and we feel fearful. I've had them, you've had them. Back in December, uh, you know, I got a phone call early on a Saturday morning and found out that my, my mother was in the intensive care unit. And she had developed pneumonia, and pneumonia had developed into sepsis, which is a really bad infection that spreads quickly through the body. 
And fast forward a little bit, and I, after I, I came to the church and I recorded my sermon for the next day, and I, I jumped on a plane, the next plane I could get out, and, and during that plane ride, I was feeling very anxious. I was feeling very fearful because I didn't know what was going to happen when I got off the plane. I, I didn't know if I was going to land to the news that mom had passed. I didn't know if I was going to land to the news that she was improving. I didn't know if I was going to land and find out that she was getting worse. I just didn't know what to expect, and I was fearful. And that was the longest four-hour flight that I've ever had. But what I found myself doing is turning to Jesus. And I spent most of that flight just praying. And you know, by the time I had landed, the fear had subsided. And I hadn't gotten any updates. I hadn't gotten any news while I was on the plane, of course. But that fear subsided. Because see, when we have Jesus, we don't have to be afraid. And that's exactly what he's trying to convince or remind the disciples about, is that when you have Jesus, when Jesus is with you, when Jesus is walking beside you, you don't have to be afraid. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. There's a couple of things here. Number one, remember, we have a storm going on here. We have a storm going on. Number two, nobody had ever seen anybody walk on water before, and Peter's seeing this for the very first time. And Peter says, hey, If that's you, Lord, I want to do the same thing. Now, we know, and you know, if you if you studied the New Testament, we know what do we know about Peter? Peter kind of like says what he's what he thinks without thinking. Peter tends to kind of be a little bit irrational. So it's really not that surprising that Peter was the one that says, Hey, if that's you, Lord, I want to do the same thing. I want to get out there and walk on the water. But see, Peter had the courage to step out of the boat. We don't see any of the other disciples saying it, but we see Peter saying, Lord, if that's you, call me out and I'm going to walk to you. I'm going to come out on that water to you. And Jesus says one word. He says, come. Jesus says, come. Peter says, Lord, if that's you, I want to walk to you. And the Lord simply says, come. And it says, then Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. Here's miracle number two. Jesus walked on the water. Miracle number one. Peter is now walking on the water, miracle number two. I titled this sermon, Get Out of the Boat. Because see, Peter had the courage. Peter had the faith. Peter respected the power of Jesus enough to say, I'm going to get out of this boat. Now again, nobody ever walked on water. Peter couldn't know for sure this was going to work. But he had faith. And he had courage. And he stepped out of the boat, into the wind and the waves and the rain and the water, he stepped out of the boat. That's what having courage, that's what having faith, and that's what relying on Jesus is all about. And see, Jesus says the same thing to us, right? Jesus invites you each and every day to come to him. At some point, most of you were baptized, and you accepted that invitation when Jesus says, come to me, and you accepted that. And you were baptized and you started a new life as a Christian. And this is reminiscent of that where he says, come. And Peter immediately gets out of the boat and walks to him. It says, but then when he saw the wind and he was afraid and beginning to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. This is a very relatable situation. And again, knowing what we know about Peter, he may have, oh yes, I want to do this. And he gets out of the boat and then he's like, oh, what have I done? 
You have to think maybe that's what he was thinking because, right, he got to looking around and there's waves and there's rain and you can't really see and the wind is blowing. And he's standing on top of the water going, I wonder if there's any sharks in here. What, what am I running into? And it's easy for us to sit here and criticize Peter and say, dude, what are you doing? But how many of us have done the exact same thing? And maybe it wasn't physically walking on water. But how many times in our pursuit of Jesus, in our relationship with Jesus, have we gotten distracted by other things? It happens each and every day. And it may be different for all of us. We get distracted by that thing in our pocket, right, that has computers in it and phones in it and everything else in it. We get distracted by social media. We get distracted by work. We get distracted by our hobbies. We get distracted by sports. And what happens? We take our eyes off of Jesus. And when we take our eyes off of Jesus, just like Peter, we start to sink. So it's easy to sit here and go, Peter, man, what are you doing? What are you thinking? But we've all been there or done that at some point in our lives where we've just gotten distracted, where we forget to keep that focus on Jesus and we start focusing on work and we start focusing on relationships and we start focusing on social media and we start focusing on sports. And we start focusing on making the almighty dollar. And not that any of those things are wrong in and of themselves or sinful in and of themselves. But when those things start to distract you from your relationship with Jesus, it's a problem. So for Peter, it was the wind and the waves. For us, it could be a plethora of other things that are distracting us from keeping our eyes on Jesus. It says, but when he saw the wind... He was afraid and began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, when I read the story, and when I get to this point of the story, I always think back to the Israelites, right? And, and, and the Israelites had this kind of sin cycle, right? Where, where they, they'd get really focused on God, and they'd be really steadfast in their worship of God, and then what would happen? They'd start worshiping idols again, and they'd start to drift away because they'd get distracted, and then he'd punish them, and then they'd cry out, Lord, please save us, and God would save them. And we see the same thing kind of playing out on a smaller scale in, the, in this story of Peter, but I think it's the same way for us. I think it's the same way for us. We get focused on God. We get focused on our relationship with Jesus, and then we get distracted, and then when we hit rock bottom, we say, Lord, save us when we're drowning. And I think one of the morals of the story is don't wait till you're sinking to reach out for Jesus. Don't wait till you're about to drown to reach out for Jesus. He should be our first phone call, not our last phone call. He's not our last ditch effort. But Peter reaches up and says, Lord, save me, because Peter is starting to sink beneath the waves. He's, he's about to drown. It says, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Now, Jesus could have said, you know what, I'm going to teach him a lesson, let him go about 20 feet under, let him see a couple of sharks, and then I'll pull him up. But he didn't. Because see, when we reach out to Jesus... He doesn't punish us. He reaches his hand out and he pulls us out of the water. That's exactly what he did for Peter. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And then he rebukes him a little bit, right? Oh, ye of little faith. Why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? Now, it's interesting that, that Jesus kind of rebukes, rebukes Peter here. But, but I think it's actually in a weird way he's kind of building Peter up. He's trying to remind Peter to be strong and be courageous in his faith. 
See, Jesus rebuked Peter, even though his faith was greater than all the others, right? None of the others said, hey, I'm going I'm to get out there and walk to Jesus. None of the others said, hey, I want to walk on water like you did. The rest of them stayed in the boat like, what's, what's Peter thinking? What, what is Peter doing? Does he really think he can walk on the water? They stayed in the boat where it was, where it was safe, right? But Peter got out of the boat. But see, I think that Jesus did this because he wants to remind Peter about his faith. He wants to instill some confidence in Peter to trust in his faith and to trust in Jesus. And I think he also did this for the people in the boat. To remind the people in the boat of what's going on here. To remind the people in the boat to have the faith and the courage of Peter had to step out. But then to continue down that pathway. To continue with our faith. And see, Jesus had to remind him of that. He had to kind of give him that gentle reminder. Hey, it's not okay, but he did it in love. Verse 32 says, And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Now, this verse is very easy to kind of gloss over because it's kind of the the anticlimactic part of the story. Here's miracle number three. Jesus calmed the waters. But don't miss this. When did Jesus calm the waters? When they were all back in the boat. Jesus could have calmed the waters before Peter ever stepped out of the boat, but he didn't. He could have. He had the power. We see here in verse 32, he calmed the waters. He could have done this at any point in the story, but he didn't. See, he called Peter out in the midst of the storm. See, Jesus doesn't always calm the storms in our lives. He doesn't. We're not promised an easy life. We are promised an easier life when we have Jesus Christ, but we're not promised an easy life. Look at the lives of the apostles and the disciples and the followers of Jesus. Did they have an easy life? Did Jesus have an easy life in his time here on earth? So why would we think that everything is going to be roses and that we're never going to face storms? The key is what happens to our faith during the storm, and that's the point that Jesus was trying to make. He didn't call... Peter out in the middle of the broad sunshine on a nice, clear, calm lake. He called Peter out in the middle of a storm. See, Jesus doesn't always take the storms out of our lives because he's trying to build us up and he's trying to strengthen us just like he's trying to do with Peter in this story. Verse 33 said, Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. See, Jesus is still still working on these disciples and he's still working on these followers and he's still proving to them each and every day of who he really is. And see, they did recognize that and they worshiped him. See, what is our response? When things are going good, what is our response? When things are going bad, what is our response? It's easy to worship God when things are going good. It's easy to worship God when you get the promotion when you get the new car, when everything is roses. But what happens when you're like Peter and you're standing in the middle of the storm? Are we still worshiping him? Are we still trusting in him? Do we still have the faith that gets us through those situations? See, the disciples in the boat, they recognize that. And sometimes we see these stories and we go, man, I'd love to have been on that boat and seen all this take place. But we have the word, right? We have the Bible. We can be in these stories. We just have to choose to be in these stories because we have to read them and we have to study them and we have to understand them and we have to do just like we're doing today and we have to say, what can I get from this story? 
Because see, you can memorize the Bible all you want. But if you don't learn from the Bible and you don't apply it to your daily life, what have you actually done? It's all about what can I learn? How can I be like Peter? And what can I learn from this story that then I can take out when I walk out these doors today and walk a closer walk with Jesus Christ? I'm glad you asked. Because we're going to talk about five quick things of how you take this story of Jesus and Peter and the calming of the storm and you apply it to your daily lives. And that's that peace is not found in the absence of the storm, but in the presence of Jesus Christ. He's not always going to remove the storms from your lives. And, and it breaks my heart when I hear people say things like, you know what, just over and over and over again I get beat down. And over and over and over again I ask God to fix it and he doesn't do it. He must not love me. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. See, Jesus is preparing us for more. And he's not always going to take those storms out of your lives. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. He sent his son for you. He loves you. But see, when we don't have Jesus, we can't truly have peace in our lives. But when we know Jesus, we can truly have peace. Sometimes we got to step out. Sometimes we got to get uncomfortable. Peter could have stayed in the boat and waited till Jesus walked to him. Jesus was already on his way. He could have just sat in the boat, covered up a little bit, rode out the storm, but he didn't. See, he stepped out in faith and he stepped out in courage and he got out of his comfort zone. And sometimes that's what we have to do. Sometimes we got to get out of our comfort zones. Sometimes we got to invite that coworker to church. And I'm not saying we got to preach a sermon to him. Not everybody's called to be a preacher. That's okay. I'm not saying you got to stand on the street corner with a megaphone saying the end is near because I'm not so sure that's super effective. But sometimes we got to step out of the comfort zone and we got to step out in faith. And we got to ask that coworker or that family member or that friend, hey, why don't you come to church with me on Sunday? And they may laugh at you. I've had that happen. But they just might say yes. And you might get to be the person that introduces them to Jesus Christ and changes their life forever. But that requires getting out of the boat. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. There are so many distractions today, more so now than ever. I, I, was, <laughs> I was going through some stuff in the garage yesterday and I ran across my old um, my flip phones. You guys remember the old flip phones, the razors? They were about this big, and they flipped open, and they flipped shut, and you could just stick them in your front pocket. And uh, I was talking to Lucas, my, my five-year-old, about cell phones and, and all that kind of good stuff, and I said, well, you know, back in my day, here I go again, I didn't have a cell phone. Well, Dad, how, how did people call you? They didn't. They waited till I got home, right? But, but we've got these phones, and they're fantastic, right? Because they allow us to keep in touch with people. They allow us to text message people. They allow us to email people and Facebook people and Instagram people and Snapchat people and allows us to have relationships that we probably wouldn't have without it. If you think about it, would you still be in contact with people you went to high school with if it wasn't for social media? I, for one, would not. Didn't really care that much for high school to begin with. Probably would not want to go back there. But my point is this. As wonderful as that is, 
And it can be a fantastic platform. I know a lot of you share our Sunday morning services on your social media. What, what a great way to put the word out there that says, hey, look, I'm a Christian and I would love for you to be one too. So there are some great things about social media. There are some great things you can do with the technology that we possess today. But it can also be a tremendous distraction. It can be a tremendous distraction. Our jobs can be a distraction. Now, jobs are necessary. We, we live in a very beautiful place, but also a very expensive place, right? And, and most of us have to work. We, there's no two ways around that. But, but we can't let that distract us from Jesus. Because, see, when you take your eyes off the prize, you're going to get lost. And, see, that's exactly what happened to Peter. Peter was laser-focused on Jesus. And all of a sudden, he started looking around and realizing, whoa, I'm in a rough situation here. And we've all been there, right? We've all been there. I'm in a tough spot here. But Jesus will save you. But you've got to have that relationship with Jesus. And you've got to know to look to Jesus when the times get tough. Lesson number four, worship is our response. And we talked about this earlier. What's our response when things are going well? What's our response when things are not going well? should be worship because everything that you and I have today is because of God this beautiful place that we live in is because of God and he deserves all of our praise and all of our worship and the last one is that God wants to use you now I think that God used Peter in this story he, he used Peter in the story to, to give a message to his disciples but guess what he used Peter in the story to give you and I a message too and that message is that he wants to use you and I. Now, Peter kind of had this had had something cool going for him, right? Peter walked on water. Now, for those of you that are around uh, Easter time, Passover time, two of the disciples, what they get to do? They got to go find the donkey for Jesus to ride into Jerusalem on. Not the most glamorous job, right? If you're a, a follower of Jesus, you get to go find the donkey. But Peter got to walk on water. Now, now I, I, like to, I like to envision, right? The disciples are all just hanging out, right? Sitting in the shade, maybe eating some lunch and kind of bragging about some of the things that they've done. And I feel like Peter's got the trump card. Because I feel like no matter how cool the other disciples think they are, Peter's always got that, well, you know, I walked on water. And I say that kind of jokingly because I like, to, I like to think about, you know, the apostles as regular people, and what do we do by nature? We kind of brag a little, right? We like to talk about ourselves. You know, Peter's business card probably says, you know, Peter, apostle of Jesus, walked on water. But my point is this. That's a story that he got to tell over and over again that pointed the glory back to Jesus. And see, so each of us have a story because each of us came to Jesus in different ways. And maybe some of you came to Jesus when you were really, really little. And some of you came to Jesus when you were in your 70s or 80s. You have a story to tell, just like Peter did. And that story is powerful. You, you, you don't have to quote scripture. There's a time and a place for that, absolutely. Don't misread that. Share your story of the things that Jesus has done in your life with others. See, your business card can say, you know, Aaron Walling, follower of Jesus. 
He may not get to put walk on water on there, but I mean, never know. But, but my point is this. See, Jesus did that for Peter because then Peter had a story to tell and you and I have a story to tell today. And again, maybe you, maybe you accepted Jesus at 10 years old and you were just a great Christian all the way through. Or maybe like me, you started out really good and then you fell off the cliff and you had to climb that mountain again. You have a story to tell. And that story is powerful. And God wants you to share that with others. Because when you share that powerful story with others, hopefully they see something in you that draws them to Jesus. Because it's not about telling our stories for our own benefit. It's not, hey, look at me and how great I am. It's look at God and how great he is. I want to encourage you to share that with others. This is a quote from Bob Goff. Some of you have seen this before. Fix your eyes on Jesus. It's okay to stare. And if you're like me, when you're a kid, right, you see somebody who's different, somebody who's got blue hair or dresses different, and you tend to stare, and what do your parents always say? Don't stare! It's not polite! Well, we should be staring at Jesus. And it's okay to stare at Jesus, because that's the one person we should be staring at. So I want to encourage you this morning, I'm going to invite Skeeter to come back up on the stage, and maybe... Maybe you've never had the courage to take that first step. That first step being getting baptized for the remission of your sins. Maybe you've just never taken that step to step out of your comfort zone, to step out of that boat and be buried in the waters of baptism. It'll change your life. Because you have your sins forgiven, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you start a relationship with Jesus that can never be broken. Or maybe you've been a Christian your whole life. Maybe, maybe you were that one that was baptized at 10, but you've hit the peak of that mountain and, and you just need some help getting back on track. We would love to invite you in just a moment when we sing to either come down and see us in the front, myself or the elders, or, or if you're not comfortable doing that, come find us after services. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you because there is no reason to leave here today and not be in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to come as we stand together and as we sing. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus at the center of it all. Say